All right, well, hey, good morning again, and um, I, I just want to come in out of that introduction and let you know that over the past few weeks, uh, we have introduced you to four new staff members. Uh, Matt and Bree Oberdick are, are the final ones. You're not going to come back next week and, and meet another one, to my knowledge. Um, but the, the final uh, piece of this season where there's been some transition with Nick stepping out to go pursue ministry in Austin, Heather stepping out to go have a full-time job as a counselor here at Newcastle Public Schools. We had two people come out. We were already pursuing a couple hires and then had to make a few more hires in John and Kaylee to fill some of Nick's roles. And, and so we ended up saying farewell to two and bringing in four. And a lot of that was strategic, and some of that was just out of necessity. Um, But I believe with everything in me that God is bringing together people who will genuinely cause this church to even more so passionately pursue its mission of making disciples for the glory of God. But here's your part in that. Please, to the newbies, you know, some of you are just like, Matt, you started on Monday. I've been here four years. What are you going to do? To the newbies, just love and embrace and warmly greet Matt's coming on as our associate pastor. What does an associate pastor do? Todd, great question. An associate pastor does whatever Jay Stokes, our executive pastor, tells him to do. All right? That is literally, we have hired Matt to come alongside Jay. Jay, in Nick's transition, has had a few more areas of ministry put on his plate. Jay is over all of the operations so that I don't have to mess with any of that, and I thank God almost daily for that. He's over all the operations, but now he's over global and local missions. He's over our student ministry reports him, some of our worship team reports him. So we look to Matt, who's truly a utility player, someone I've known for 10-plus years, and we said, would you come in and just support Jay? And he said yes, and they like one another, and they embrace one another, and they understand one another, and it seems to be a good fit even just after a few days. So just embrace all of this change. Some people don't like it, but I do. So embrace it, love on people, and know that we are just dead set on seeing disciples made. So one other just quick announcement. If you're here today to attend the Biblical Counseling Workshop, it's immediately after this service. You're going to leave here. You're going to walk out those doors, and you're going to go to our old church building, which is now the Newcastle Administrative Offices, it's on the corner, and it has stucco on it. I don't know how else to describe it. That's where you're going to go. That's where the Biblical Counseling Workshop is going to be immediately after this service. So if you're signed up for that, please make sure and go. Let's pray, and then let's see what God has for us today. Father, come and just bring great joy through your Son, Jesus Christ. For those in here who are hurting, bring peace and comfort. For those who are wandering and lost and confused, bring direction and clarity and salvation. For those who desire you with every breath of their life, Father, present opportunities for them to glorify you more. But in these moments, God, we invite you and your Holy Spirit into this place to fill this room with your presence And to meet us wherever we are for the greatest and most pressing need of our soul, which can be filled in the person of Jesus Christ. So may your son be present here. May we see him through your word. May we feel him in your call. And God, may you be glorified in all we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Question, who in the room has ever been on a mission trip? If you've been on a mission trip, raise your hand. I think I asked this question a few weeks ago. Go ahead and raise your hand. If you've ever been on a mission trip, a bunch of people in the room have been on a mission trip. Second question, 
Do not answer it out loud. What compelled you to go on that mission trip? Lots of answers are possible, but what compelled you to go? What compelled you to raise funds? What compelled you to get on a plane and to go? What drove you to accept an opportunity to go on that mission trip or multiple mission trips or whatever it's been? Just just go and think back to that moment. What caused you to do that? And then as you're thinking through the why, begin to ask yourself this question. If this drove me What drives mission in general? What should drive the church to go? What should drive believers in Jesus Christ to go to the nations? What compels us to do that? It's a very big question, and today that's all I seek to answer. is one simple question, what drives us to go? And then before you start going, man, is this just about going on short-term mission trips? I want you to understand that there are really three ways that you as a follower of Jesus can go. There's three ways that you can be on mission. One of them is to physically go. To go to the nations to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in your own words, in your own actions, in your own deeds, whether it be through humanitarian need, whether it be through preaching and teaching, whatever the cause, you can go. The second way that you can be on mission is to give. Maybe you physically cannot go, but the truth is is that we need people to resource kingdom ministry, and some can go, others can give. Neither is greater than the former, because to give is to allow someone to go. So you can give, and it's something that we all should be doing, because the Bible says that if we ask, God will give us the nations, we all should be compelled to pray. And I can stand in front of you as one who is not as driven towards prayer for the nations, towards the the redeeming of all mankind back to Jesus. I I, I tend to pray much more specialized, specific prayers to me and the five miles around me. That probably is an error. Because there should be something in me that compels me. And there should be something in you that compels you to go, to give, and to pray. Those are the three avenues. Now, of course, there's a hundred ways that those manifest themselves. But those are the three avenues through which you can live on mission. So I want us to know that right off the bat. But then back to the original question. What drives us to do those things? What drives you to go take the gospel to the nations? What drives you to give to resource those who will go? What drives you to pray and ask God for the nations? What compels you I think there's a lot of things that can but I think there's one thing that should let's let's look at the things that can okay the first thing that I think can compel us to go to live on mission is that God commands us to go Jesus commands us to go Matthew 28 18 through 20 all authority all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me therefore Go and make disciples of all nations. You need to go, you need to make disciples, you need to make disciples of all nations, you need to baptize them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you need to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Wow, this seems lofty, and don't worry, surely I'm with you always till the very end of the age. I've got this, I'm with you if you go. It's an explicit command, it's cut and dry. There is no really getting around that. Because all authority has been given to Jesus, he is sending us out. He is telling us to go. It is a command. So that is one thing that I think can compel us to go. The second thing that goes with the first one is obedience. 
Obedience can compel us to go. We're being obedient to the command to go. If you look at John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, if you love God, you will obey, you will do what I command. So our love for God causes us to obey and to do what he commands us to do. If he commands us to go, we should go out of our love for God. I think most pastors, I think most churches, we then stop there and say, you're supposed to do it, you've been commanded to do it, and you're not being obedient unless you do it. Here's my only issue with that. That logic stays in the head. Jesus says to do it, I'm supposed to do it. Now there's hundreds of things that Jesus commands, some of which I have no desire to do, but he tells me I have to do it, so out of obedience I need to do it. That, that, that can be a part of it. That can be a part of what compels you to go, to live on mission, to, to go, to give, or to pray. That can be a part of it. But if that's all of it, I think you're missing some of the heart. I think, I think you're missing some of the true drive that will push you through the harder seasons, will push you through the harder opportunities, will push you through the moments where you're like, I can't give anything right now, I don't have anything. Like, I think you're missing part of it. If it just stops with, it's commanded and out of obedience, you need to go. Some people would then add this idea of evangelism. There's this idea of evangelism. There are lost and dying people in the world. Their only hope is Jesus Christ. So I will take that hope of Jesus Christ to them through the process of evangelism. I will pray, I will give, I will go so that the lost will come to know Jesus. Now we're getting a little bit closer to the heart. I read this passage a few weeks ago. Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's a bunch of lost people out there. Workers are few. You need to ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Evangelism can compel us to go. There's so much need. There's so few workers. I need to go. I need to live on mission. I need to, get, I need to do that so that those who are lost will come to know Jesus. Now, we're getting closer. But I think sometimes then we get distracted we get distracted by some things that can compel us to go. Uh, the global need. There's just this immense global need. Now that ties into evangelism. But I'm talking about humanitarian need. Needs for water, hygiene, education. These people are literally dying because they do not have clean water. That should compel us to go do something. True, it can. But in that then, do we lose sight of the true heart of what drives mission? Because when we go purely based off global need, Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If it is compassion solely that drives us, what happens when that compassion runs dry? What happens the first time in ministry when your compassion takes you to help someone and they say, no, I don't need your help? then what fuels mission? Global need is there. You as a follower of Jesus need to have compassion when you see that need. Something needs to be done. But that alone cannot fuel our mission. Cannot fuel everything that we do. So so then what does? What does drive all of mission? 
The command to go, the obedience to take action, the desire to reach the lost through evangelism, the awareness of the needs of the hurting and the neglected that brings you to a point of compassion, those things can and will drive you, could be enough, but I think there's something greater. I think there's something that kind of trumps all of those things. And, and hear me, none of those things are bad. I use scripture to point out those things. None of those things are bad. Those can compel you to go. But I think there is one driving force behind all of mission, all of our prayers, all of our giving, all of our going. There's one driving force, and that force should be worship. The driving force behind all mission should be worship. And, and I know that you just went, huh? That makes no sense. I mean, there's missions departments and there's worship departments and they don't play well with one another. And uh, there's, Those are two separate things. But I think that's just because we have a non-holistic view of worship. Here's what I mean when I say worship should drive all mission. Your zeal and your passion for God. Your acknowledgement that Jesus is the greatest treasure on earth. Your understanding that mankind will never find any greater joy than that joy that comes from knowing and revering your creator God. That is your worship. That is your joy and your zeal and your passion. And that church is what drives mission. Worship drives mission. To give God glory should be the central and motivating force behind all Christian activity. Why do I do this? I do it for the glory of God. Why do I do this? I do it for the glory of God. Well, why do I do this? I do it for the glory of God. Mission is no different. You live on point, on mission for the glory of God and that will be the fuel that drives you. That fuel is whole and pure and good. Because obedience to the Great Commission, the command to go, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with sinners, those are both very, 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 very strong incentives to go, strong incentives to live on mission. But it is your zeal and your burning passion for the glory of God that will truly concern your heart towards the purpose of mission. So what is the purpose of mission? Great question. Is the purpose of mission for you to get on a plane and go? No. Is the purpose of mission for the gospel message to be proclaimed? No, that's a byproduct. The purpose of mission is for God to be glorified. That is the purpose of mission. So the purpose is also... The process, the purpose is also the incentive. What we are seeking to accomplish is what also fuels our drive for mission. We want Jesus to be glorified. We want the worth of God to be made known in all nations. That is the purpose of mission, and that desire is what drives mission. If it's just obedience, that can fall short. But it is your heart, your burning zeal, and your passion for the worship of God and his name being known amongst all nations and him being worshipped and glorified by all people. That is what should and can compel us to go. 
The goal and the drive behind all mission is the same, that God will be praised and glorified. That's the simplest way I can say it. So so you can write that down. The goal and the drive behind all mission is the same, that God will be praised and glorified. A couple Psalms, Psalm 67 and Psalm 47. Psalm 67, 3 and 4. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad. May they sing for joy. May the nations be glad. What will make nations glad? Is it clean water? Mm -mm. It's Jesus. It's the knowledge and the ability to worship their creator God. In him there is no greater joy. That's what will make nations glad. That's what will drive mission is the knowledge and the desire to see all peoples praise him. Psalm 47, 6 and 7, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. Have we said that enough? For God is the king of all the earth. He's not just the king of America. He's not just the king of churches that meet in nice buildings. He is the king of all the earth and he is seeking his own praise and his own worship and mission should be driven by your desire to see that praise and that worship received. That is enough to compel any and all to go, to give, or to pray. If other things are currently compelling you, then that is fine. But the desire for the nations to be glad, that all the nations will be glad by showing them the joy that comes from worshiping your God. Your own worship shows them the joy that comes from worshiping God. That drives what we do. As the band comes back out here, it's a pretty simple thought today. Worship drives mission. So if you are sitting here today saying, I do, I desire to worship God, I I have, I have experienced the joy that comes from knowing Him, that comes from worshiping Him, then that and that alone is enough to drive you to do something. I'm going to come back up here at the end of the response time and, and present to you nine opportunities, nine trips, opportunities to go. That may be for some of you, that you need to go, that you need to worship God in such a way as to take that pure joy to the nations, that they too may be glad in Him. Some of you need to give, because here's my thought. Some of you who can't go, you can give, and those roles are, are very importantly wound together Because what happens if we have 140 spots of people who are going on these trips and someone in this room can't go, but they give $100,000? I'm not trying to raise money here, but if your worship of God and your desire for the nations to be glad because of him, if you feel like you being on mission is writing that check, then you know what I get to do? I get to look at those 140 people and I get to say, most of your trips already been covered. Because one person living on mission just covered most of the cost. Some need to go, some need to give, and all need to pray. Ask and I'll give the nations to you. We need to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray for the nations, not just the patch of land a few feet around us. I said a few weeks ago that the power of the church may very well be dependent on whether or not its members pray. 
the resulting joy and gladness that we can bring to the nations through Jesus Christ may also depend on whether or not people pray. So I don't know what God's going to call you to do in response to this, but out of your worship and your zeal and your passion for God, I pray that you do something. I pray that that be the fuel that drives you to live on mission and causes you to do something so that we may be able to say one day in front of our Creator and God, through you and through our worship of you, we helped in making the nations glad. We helped in exalting the King who is over all the earth. We did our part. And our love and our worship for you is what fueled that. I don't know what it looks like for all of you, but I know that we all need to respond. I know we all need to respond in some way. So as our prayer team members and our pastors are up here, I I just pray that you are genuine in your response to God. You're genuine in your desire to do something. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, this is just one of those seasons where you feel like you're trying to do it in your own power and you're falling short. That's what this time is for. That's what these prayer team members and pastors are for is to unleash the power of God in your life through prayer. So this doesn't have to be a missions day. This can be a you powered and strengthened by God day through prayer. So just come as, as we respond. Respond to the word and let your worship be the fuel that drives your mission. Father, I thank you for the goodness of who you are and for the call that you place on our lives to go. But may that call be fueled by our passion and our zeal for you. May that call be filled by our worship of you. And God, may those that we go in impact, may they be impacted not necessarily by us, but by you. And may they find great gladness and joy in you and in the worship of you. May our mission be pure. May our response be for you and your glory. And God, may we do that. May we do that through your Holy Spirit right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him. If you need prayer, now's the time to come.